Welcome to episode 5 of Wind Words, a podcast dedicated to gaming in Glorantha, the Bronze Age fantasy world featured in such tabletop role-playing games as RuneQuest, HeroQuest, but also represented in other games and art forms. I am Ludovic, aka Lord Abdul. I am Jörg. And I am Bill. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, fine gentlemen? Oh, it's another great day and um, convention season, isn't it? It is convention season. Uh, maybe we have some news about that. Okay, quick message from the editor. We had a lot of technical issues this time around and the sound quality is not going to be as good as usual and we apologize for that. We will try to do better next time. And now it's time to gather in the town center. The Herald's podium is where the members of the tribe listen to the news of the world. So, Bill, you were talking about conventions. I was, and mentioning uh, how I'm stoked. I mean, heck, for my uh, advanced stage, I'm actually going to my first convention this uh, summer. And which convention is, gonna, is that going to be? Well, Gen Con, of course. Online. <laughs> uh, online. <laughs> Yeah, did you uh, did you register for some tables and uh, and panels and stuff like that? July sixth is a note uh, date uh, note for everybody. They will be announcing their tables, their events, everything else on July sixth, and uh, you can register at that point. Cool. Okay, uh, and speaking of conventions, which still uh, didn't happen in real life, uh, two weeks ago uh, there would have been eternal convention at Castle Starleck. Castle Fal Falkenstein, you said? Starleck. <laughs> Burg Starleck, not Falkenstein. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, Burg Starleck is uh, well known among uh, Glorantham uh, convention goers because it has been the site of uh, for Glorantham conventions for 25 years. Oh, uh, lots, of, lots of pictures of uh, Jeff holding up uh, the uh, camera so everybody can see the uh, castle. It looks good. It looks good. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a use also. Uh, the uh, the original castle was uh, demolished uh, by the French, but yeah, uh, it has been rebuilt as a use also, and we have spent quite a, a few conventions there. This year, uh, the convention uh, had to go away for COVID-19, but Jeff was there anyway with his family, and he uh, held his Ask Me Anything panel there online. Uh, you could participate on Twitch, which I missed, but you can still see what happened there on YouTube. We have a link in the show notes. Yeah, we. Uh, it, it was happening like in the middle of the night for uh, for <laughs> us in Canada, but uh, uh, for some reason I had happened to work late and I was still awake at 3 a.m. So I actually ended up uh, attending and posting a couple of questions online. It was nice. Well, thank you for pointing it out to me, Ludo. I mean, um, I gave it a listen this morning, as a matter of fact, I did some preparation and uh, glad I did. I might as well uh, have a quick uh, go Glimpse. So, yeah, notes are going to be uh, um, where you can find this are going to be online. Definitely mm -hmm. worth a look. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of highlights. Yeah. What What are your highlights, Bill? Well, I didn't really get the whole uh, gist of it, unfortunately. But uh, uh. there was a mention of uh, 20 pages of Orlanthe. And that was how the thing began after the technical uh, problems. Is that 20 pages of Orlanthe cult in the Gods of Glorantha? Uh, yes, apparently the Orlanth, uh, the Orlanth write-up got a bit out of hand, apparently. <laughs> uh, 20 pages out of hand? <laughs> so much for the one-pages we used to have. Uh, highlights, I mean, we're, 
Where do we begin? I'll, I'll, I'll bring up one more and I'll pass the mic over to somebody else because uh, this there's just so much. I mean, Ian Cooper uh, come, coming up with Quest Worlds, so that's fantastic. Third is that. Mm-hmm. Johnstown would be included. Uh, but let, let me pass it over to you there, uh, Ludo. What do you think? Um, yeah, the starter set looks really good. I mean, uh, I don't know if you guys uh, looked at the Call of Cthulhu starter set, which this is going to be modeled after. No, but, so uh, this, this is good that you've uh, had a look at what they what they do. Yeah, it's it's really great, and apparently uh, the the Rune Quest is uh, one is going to follow the same format. Uh, what's great about it is that uh, so you've got a. Um, uh, like a small version of the rules, a bit like the quick start or something. But uh, the way the, the starter set works is that you start with a solo adventure. Like you, you the solo adventure actually starts with um, your character sheet not being finished, and it's as you go through the first few uh, pages of the of the solo adventure that you start filling up your character sheet. And so by the you know the first third of the solo adventure, your character is complete and you have learned how to create a character then you complete the solo adventure um, and uh, to get a glimpse uh, a grasp of the mechanics and at the end of that you move on to the next adventure which is mostly meant to be one GM and one player so that the person who did the solo adventure can now be the GM because they know the rules and they know the character sheets and all that and they can start GMing a solo adventure to a friend and then the adventure after that is a proper adventure meant for like a party of two to four and this this is all on the ama with jeff richards and uh, his um, and his um, wife i believe yeah yeah exactly and so so the, the call of cthulhu starter set is done like that and i think it's a great uh, innovative idea and it was really well received when it was released so i'm excited to see how the rq one is gonna is gonna be but uh, yeah well, solo adventures in RQ have a long history. George, what what what, what really yeah. br- broke it for you on uh, that uh, AMA? For me, it's the foreign language material. Uh-huh. Ah, like uh, Jeff's enthusiasm about the French uh, proposal for the for their edition of uh, RuneQuest and uh, considering mm-hmm. uh, whether to use it. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, writing a Dundalus tribe uh, source book, uh, and it might come back to English. Maybe Jeff said. It's interesting. What really got me um, impressed was uh, the mention of something that a lot of people don't realize, and that's translations are not the same book. In fact, uh, sometimes <laughs> the translators are actually as uh, well known as the authors in another language. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah. that's, that's pretty fascinating. Uh, but, <laughs> but the Dundalus uh, tribe uh, gets um, uh, a uh, rebirth, a uh, 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 first birth in uh, the French edition. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the, the whole MAA was very enlightening, Uh, like some some behind the scenes stuff, like, for example, the fact that they have a a manuscript on Crowlerella ready, but they want to release the Notchet book first so that characters in people's campaigns can get to Notchet and take a boat to to Crowlerella instead of like releasing a book on Crowlerella where you can't really go there easily. Uh, there's there's a bunch of, of behind the scenes interesting stuff. Um, I always dig when uh, something gets dropped uh, them and it's not the topic that's being talked about. Now, Crowlerella, Cr- oh geez, help me with the pronunciation here. <laughs> the East, the East, say the East. In any case, 
the, the land in the east um, is not going to be opened up until the great city in the south um, central is going to be opened up, which is not yet, of course. Yeah. yeah. So that was a neat, a neat little drop of uh, just how Natchez um, had to come out in order to open up the lands yeah. of the east. Yeah. Or all of the lands beyond uh, Dragon Path, really, and uh, the Lunar Empire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that caught your organized eye. Yeah. Although I think I think Jeff mentioned that he would like to release a lunar book before he releases a Crawlerella book. Um, <laughs> But, oh, we uh, could have got tons of rumors out of this one if we'd really put our mind to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's a rumor table for the month. Just have a look at uh, the AMA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, actually, for people who don't want to look at the video, uh, Gianni Vaca, oh. the author of um, uh, what's the name, uh, Last <laughs> Faction Hero, the Last Faction Hero oh, board yeah. game, uh, has made a little summary on his blog that uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, but not present on his uh, write-up are a couple extra things that I picked up. Um, one of them is that I think Jeff kind of formally announced that uh, print-on-demand was coming for RQ2 books. He did, uh, he did drop a hint that uh, it's coming. So that's what I understood from his offhand comment. I don't know if you guys picked up on that. As yeah. I was saying, uh, folks, the best things out of these interviews are the Easter eggs. You just have to look for them. <laughs> I mean, the, the, best Easter egg, the best Easter egg was towards the end. Somebody asked, what's the God learner secret? And for, <laughs> and for, for, me, and a couple of, for me and a couple of other people, the, um, the, the video feed actually froze as Jeff was about to reply to it. And it was just perfect. <laughs> so for information on 20 pages of Warlanth, Ian Cooper, Questworld's um, Sarder, Glamour, Translations, Sarder Johnstown, um, Sarder Kit, Crowlerella, yeah. and the Melchioni, East and West, Notchet, Processes, um, uh, b b b deal detailing the big rubble for Bain Cooper, and the status of Barbarian Town. Holy shit. I can't uh, say that on air. Big Holy. rubble is from uh, uh, Ian Cooper Laws. Robin, Robin Laws, yes. Yeah. Right. When I think here, of course, uh, of course, you got uh, Robin Laws and you have Ian Cooper too. Yeah. yeah okay. Although Thank Robin Laws is uh, writing the Pavis and Big Rubble book for RuneQuest, actually. Yes. Because everything right. is going to be for uh, everything seems to be for RuneQuest going forward. I mean, uh, Jeff did yes. say that uh, there's no plans for a new edition of uh, HeroQuest Glorantha or any HeroQuest Glorantha books. I think uh -huh. they're mostly going. They're mostly going the Quest World. Not route true. Now. We will be bringing some nice things up that have nothing to do with RuneQuest. As much as I like RuneQuest, now I'm, I'm not saying that we should uh, try to move away yeah. from it. We mm -hmm. will have some nice stuff coming yeah. up. But uh, about the, the, the Pavis and Big Rubble book, though, uh, interestingly enough, they are uh, recording the uh, uh, Chaosium House campaign playtest of it. And apparently that's going to come soon on Twitch and YouTube and we can watch the Chaosium staff playing in the Big Rubble. That's going to be interesting. Okay, before we continue, uh, let's uh, just mention the last time we checked uh, drive-through, the top five uh, community content uh, stuff was all from Johnson Compendium. Oh yeah, actually, let me let me check right now. Holy shit! Yes, the top uh, top four are. He didn't right say now. what you think he said, there, kids. He it, it, <laughs> it, 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 he didn't say that. 
<laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, as we are recording this, the top four are Johnston Companion uh, things for uh, community, uh, all the community content on drive through And there's, uh, I think, se- uh, six of them in the top ten. That's pretty good. So we almost skipped over a quick look at the Johnstown Companion. I don't know. This is almost becoming a habit of ours just to see where we are. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's uh, we should definitely uh, uh, congratulate all the Johnstown Companion creators. They're doing a great job. Um, Ludo was mentioning pre uh, we had started recording this morning that we should always be thinking about the other folks that are making our hobby that much better. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about uh, one of the releases uh, lately on the Johnson Companion. How, uh, speaking of a couple of folks that are making our hobby that much better, uh, yeah. what's the name of the company? Uh, Troop Games, uh, which are the uh, lovely couple who are re- uh, who just released uh, Valley of Plenty, which uh, interestingly is the probably the first Quest World book out there. Because yeah. it's not uh, it's not a hero quests book. It is a quest worlds book. Interestingly, now enough. we have to give a quick little splat note on that uh, for the old grognards. Sure. When we're talking quest world, we're not talking the old quest world, which was a rune quest <laughs> other world. Yes. What are we talking about when we're talking quest world in uh, twenty twenty? We are well, talking about the uh, new uh, open license rule set. Uh, which used to be HeroQuest. Yes. Right. HQ 1 or 2, yeah. Yeah, 2. Uh, but yeah, anyway, Valley of Plenty is basically a, a HeroQuest slash Quest World um, yeah. clan campaign book. Uh, so it happens in the uh, Dundelos tribe. Uh, the clan. Second time you mentioned that tribe today. Yeah, yeah, this is a very uh, popular tribe. Uh, the, the the players are part of the uh, Jalden Killer uh, clan. And I believe there's a Sega as well uh, by that very same name. Yes, yeah. I guess the gimmick, the interesting thing about the book is that you start as kids. You start as like uh, eight, nine-year-old kids. And you go through a few chapters... Um, like the first few adventures are basically happening, you know, uh, a couple of years apart, and um, and the characters are growing each time in between until you reach your uh, like the end of the first book is basically the uh, adulthood ritual, where uh, at the end of this first uh, arc of the campaign uh, you have reached adulthood, you gain your runes, you gain your magic, and all that. So it's uh, it's a very interesting way. Like the the, the book is really well designed for uh, inclusive and user friendly play, in the sense that uh, as you start as kids. Uh, it's all about like you know little games. There's not too much at stake. Like you can't die and stuff like that. Like they they recommend that uh, everything uh, to keep everything safe. And it's a good way to learn about the setting because as kid you can't really go very far and you don't know much. Uh, it's a good way to learn about the rules because you start by uh, yeah things that are not too dangerous or, or too. Um, or with with too many stakes, uh, so it's it's really a good way to introduce people to both the uh, Hero Quest Quest World rule set and to the world of Glorenta because of of this angle of starting as kids. 
Yeah, you got pretty excited when you were talking about it um, in um, our uh, editorial meetings. Uh, so yes. uh, I took uh, I took your advice and I went to that's how I roll. And uh, boy, does he ever get into uh, to, uh, detail on uh, his. Uh, <laughs> is this is a personal blog. Uh, she actually isn't. Uh, no, well, in this case, it's Sean Carpenter's uh, blog. So we should mention that Sean Carpenter and Peggy Carpenter are husband and wife. Are they, Ludo? Uh, I believe so. Uh, but yeah, they are uh, Troop Games, and uh, we'll have the link in the show notes. But they, they, yeah, they give a good description of what's in the book. The link that uh, we should mention is what's in the valley, of course, and uh, it's talking about yeah. the, this particular one. And he does go. If you don't know if you want to buy it, uh, this really goes into some pretty good detail, and I'll let, uh, I'll let you decide uh, with some really good information uh, yeah. whether it's for you or not. Yeah, pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the the reason I was excited is because uh, the campaign I am working on for the past few months, which uh, happens up in uh, northern Sartar near Alone, uh, also has the same gimmick, which is that uh, the, the the players start as kids. And for the same reason, because I wanted to make it easy for uh, players <laughs> to learn about the world and to learn about the rules. Uh, only I'm doing it with the RuneQuest uh, rules, I think. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I was excited to see somebody else uh, having come up with the same idea. That's not a very uncommon one. A lot of us old grognards. So myself, I'm setting my campaign in the 1611, 1612, 1613 beginning period of time. For yeah. the very same reason. I like the old way of starting out. <laughs> I don't agree with Zeros to Heroes. I think um, you become a hero as you go into it. You don't uh, uh, say, well, I am a hero. It says so on my character sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It says so in my character description, right? Yeah. Hero. But but then I'm 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 a bit a uh, different kind of a grongyard. I like the uh, concept from Traveler that we are all retirees and now we're going on adventures. <laughs> and okay. I, uh, I like that concept for RuneQuest and Glorantha as well. And that's mm -hmm. one thing I am working on uh, with Bill not knowing about it yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm just fine with both. It's just like a different. Um, yes. Uh, uh, I I do both. Like I I both play games where you start as a already <laughs> badass expert guy. Like you're already playing, you know, Jason Bourne, or you're already playing um, uh, Ulysses or whatever. But in some other types of games, especially when there is a lot of things to learn about the setting. So uh, you know, when when I want to introduce people to Glorantha, or <laughs> when I want to introduce people to um, say uh, transhuman space or to uh, <laughs> horn or whatever. Uh, I like to start with a small thing, which is either you know the characters are kids, the characters are uh, amnesiac. There are if it's a sci-fi setting, it's like they're robots who just got rebooted or something like that. So it's it's <laughs> a, it's a useful device to not overload people with exposition. I, I do know what you're saying. I've always enjoyed playing the heavy hitters. Um, I, you'll have to ask me one day about my RQG uh, sorcerer, RQ3 sorcerer <laughs> in uh, Call of Cthulhu. It was, uh, yeah. it was a wonderful thing. And there's nothing like going up against Elder <laughs> Gods with uh, 100 <laughs> magic points. <laughs> and Elder Signs of the Wazoo. How did you get that past the GM? 
<laughs> the GM was my buddy, and that was uh, his usual GM. Life was easy. <laughs> but no, no, you, 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 have to, you have to go outside of the box every now and again. Jason Bourne, how do you get that by any GM? Oh, yeah. I mean, isn't Jason I mean, Bourne a reason, an excuse to win? <laughs> I mean, it depends. Like, for example, games like uh, Knights Black Agents, Everybody starts as a Jason Bourne as kicking vampire killer. That's that's the concept of the game, but that doesn't prevent the fact that uh, things are going to be dangerous and deadly and challenging. <laughs> yeah. So, so so yeah, it depends. Uh, do we have anything more on Valley of Plenty? We we have uh, some uh, some uh, comments on future plans for the uh, for follow ups. Yeah. So uh, this is going to be a part of a part of a series if everything is going well. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, so if we are done with uh, Valley of Plenty now, uh, we have another series, the Red Deer yeah. Saga, which has now uh, finished its uh, first appearance with the part three. Yeah, those and have been going out uh, super fast, eh? Yes, uh, I didn't expect to have to talk about this uh, this soon, really. But yeah, uh, it came out super fast, and we will have to go into uh, more depth about this. But this is uh, the culmination of the Damolding clan saga uh, for now, and it's leading into the Battle of Queens. Mm. The Red Deer campaign uh, simply uh, covers all the stuff that wasn't covered be uh, between RuneQuest 3 and RuneQuest Glorantha. Cool. This is from uh, Paul Baker. So, Paul, if you listen to us, uh, go slower. We don't have time to read everything. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've got a few people that are guilty of that. Uh, do we have a? I, I think uh, we'll have one coming up here fairly quickly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you talking about our uh, good friend Austin Conrad? Somebody slow that man down. <laughs> Well, you yes. <laughs> I try, but it doesn't work. <laughs> so anyway, Austin Conrad has put out uh, Monster of the Month number five, and this time the monster is the most dangerous monster of all, man. Uh, <laughs> it is a, a book on the Heartlings of Sartor. Uh, it's a book of uh, basically uh, NPC templates for generic people, like, you know, generic uh, heartling farmer, generic um, whatever noble, there's a generic uh, uh, stead member. Uh, I think it came from uh, a thread on the BRP Central forums where uh, some people were saying that uh, because, you know, RuneQuest requires a bit more preparation to have like stats and stuff. Uh, for those gems who actually do prepare, because I, I don't prepare, I just make everything up on the fly. But for those who do want to prepare, uh, they wanted to have a bunch of standard NPC stats that they could use as a base. And Austin said, that's a good idea, I'm going to do that. And then like, you know, two hours <laughs> later, he <laughs> released it or something. <laughs> well, that sounds about correct. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of uh, Austin Conrad, there's another thing <laughs> by Austin Conrad, Bill. Well, he's decided that he's going to go with a uh, tri trip down memory lane. The old plunder um, is getting a uh, revamp uh, with uh, Treasures of Glorantha. Uh -huh. It's going to be a new regular series from the Aculus um, Folk, which is the name of his company. 
Yeah, although this time he's not alone, right? He's got... Oh, this, actually, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, good call. He's brought a few folk along with him. Um, Sean and Peggy Carpenter that we mentioned earlier. Um, yeah. I did not do as much work on this as I was supposed to, and um, I really <laughs> have apologized immensely to it. Uh, my May was a horrible month, and uh, I think Austin's have forgiven me for it by now, but... <laughs> Are you involved? Are you not there, Ludo? Uh, I have a couple drawings in there, yes. So Okay, so he, he has um, opened the doors and um, embraced um, our thinking, uh, which is um, that we're all kind of a tribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but uh, yes, far as I can tell, it's basically a whole bunch of um, fancy, powerful magic items that you can dangle in front of your players to get well, them not, to not go Not only the... powerful. Yeah. He's got more mundane as well, I believe, does he not? They're still magic, I guess. So yeah, and uh, rather than powerful, I think they are storyful. Ah, yes. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, and again, what, what's magical in Glorantha? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everything was a story to it, or a myth, <laughs> as we call it. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, uh, every item uh, in the old plunder and uh, in the, uh, this. Uh, uh, incarnation too has its own story its own myth its origins it's not just a plus one sort so uh speaking of adventures um and uh, uh let me return to the africa whale uh, near uh, apple lane where the namolding clan is uh, set and now we also get another uh, new uh scenario here from beer with teeth you're being a grognard there york the what fail it's a river uh, which goes by Johnstown, and uh, it, it should be well known. Uh, it leads to the Rainbow Mounds, it leads to Apple Lane, it leads to Johnstown, and it has been uh, the, one, uh, the one area of uh, Sata which has been described for RuneQuest before uh, RuneQuest Garantha. So, and a little uh, further away, uh, there's Vingas Ford. Uh-huh. It might actually be on a different river, the Swan River. But it's uh, it's a fort in, uh, in the neighborhood of Apple Lane, and it's it's a short uh, scenario uh, featuring the essentials of a vampire, a vingan, and a duck. Oh! It goes for oh. spirit zombie, spirit combat, zombies, well, everything you need for a, sh- a short, pleasant adventure. <laughs> pleasant <laughs> zombies and vampires and a duck. <laughs> Let's not forget the duck. Yeah, you had some strange nights over there in Kiel, huh? do you not? Uh, well, we don't have much of nights right now. But <laughs> and last about the Johnston Companion, I just noticed this today is that uh, there is a new scenario by um, called Blue Moon White Moon, and do you know who is writing this? John Wick, which is a uh, uh, famous uh, game designer responsible for things like. Uh, uh, Ars Magica and 7C and stuff like that, and he, who recently joined uh, Chaosium. And, and well, uh, his most recent uh, contribution was uh, in Pegasus Plateau, the scenario, oh, yes. uh, yeah. and uh, right. Village. Uh, but so apparently this is a short uh, scenario, an encounter, uh, people uh, running into a blue moon assassin from the Lunar Empire, uh, just uh, running around in Dragon Pass. And apparently uh, it promises moral dilemma in addition to uh, physical challenges. So uh, I just saw that this morning, so I haven't read it yet, but it looks interesting. Anyway. Quest has never been one dimensional. It likes to play with uh, various shades of gray and uh, what do you have to do to overcome your muscles? Well, now it's blue and white. 
<laughs> well, the various shades of moon. Okay. <laughs> so moving on to our next uh, great topic. Yeah. <laughs> we go to miscellaneous and be fine. Yeah, miscellaneous news. Uh, we're done with Johnston Compendium news. Uh, do you guys watch actual plays on YouTube? Normally they bore the hell out of um, Normally. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can check this one out and see if it bores the hell out of you too, but... It didn't. Spoiler, <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> oh, did you check it out? Oh, wow. These boys are having a good time. <laughs> and they're, yeah. and, they're, and they're, they're, they're evoking it too. Yeah. So uh, James Chambers, a.k.a. James Corp TV, who has, uh, he has a, a YouTube channel with a bunch of actual plays of a whole bunch of uh, uh, good role-playing games. Uh, he has good taste. Uh, and he recently, in the past couple of months, did one actual play of uh, RuneQuest Glorantha playing the Broken Tower. Here comes the great news. Oh, <laughs> and another uh, actual play playing uh, 13th Age Glorantha. Spoiler. That's it. Yeah, which uh, which we don't hear uh, about enough. Uh, <laughs> but so you can you can watch uh, people playing two Glorantha games uh, if you are curious about it or if you want to see how it goes. Uh, interestingly enough, those games feature uh, a fair number of uh, relatively uh, famous people in the hobby. Paul Michener is the author of uh, Liminal, a uh, kind of uh, supernatural British um, uh, game. Bud from Bud's RPG Reviews, who reviews a lot of, uh, you know, Delta Green, RuneQuest, Call of Cthulhu, and stuff like that. Pookie, who writes Pookie, a lot we of, know their uh, name. Yeah, he writes a lot of uh, reviews on his blog. Hi, Pookie. And last but not least, uh, Seth Skorkowski, who is, I believe, an Emmy-winning YouTuber uh, in the... But Ludo. Yeah. Ludo, one thing that comes to mind... This is all really fascinating stuff here, but I think you're really missing the one thing that these boys do when they're on air. What do they do? They're having fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Having fun. I mean, they, they like they're, it looks like a game you want to be a part of. You're thinking, <laughs> where's my button? How do I join? How do I join? <laughs> well, they're making, they're, they're making it really interesting. Cool. Well, <laughs> you heard it from a guy who doesn't like uh, uh, actual plays usually. <laughs> And now for the main topic, we decided to look at a uh, very classic, almost quintessential activity for Glorenthan gaming, cattle raiding, uh, which is when you go to your neighbor's lands and steal their cows. Uh, this is a very common activity for newcomers to uh, gaming in Glorantha. Um, two of the most uh, common ways to introduce the settings to people, the video game King of Dragon Pass and the uh, fast pace and easy to play can of cans, uh, a little fun card game, both feature cattle raiding uh, heavily. And so we thought we would uh, talk a bit about it. But before we uh, go into the weeds of it, uh, we might want to talk a bit about the context around it. Uh, cattle raiding is mostly done by uh, Hortling clans. Uh, and we're going to specifically focus on Sartarite clans. So clans in Sartar, which is one of the homelands in uh, RuneQuest. 
And uh, so let's talk a bit about uh, what is a sartorid clan and more importantly, why do they love cattle and especially stealing it from their neighbors? Uh, do you have any uh, take on that, guys? What so is a sartorid clan? Um, the community that gathers together for like-minded benefit goals, religion, um, farming, outlook on life. Mm-hmm. And why do they like cattle so much? <laughs> yeah, the Hjortling clan has basically two measures of wealth. One is land and the other one is cattle. Mm-hmm. And everybody likes to be wealthy. <laughs> Indeed. So you're putting this down to human nature and greed uh, as for what calls the uh, clan together? Yes, indeed. <laughs> what a clan is, uh, a clan is an extended family. Mm-hmm. Okay, Make own, I can uh, see the greed there. <laughs> Get a couple of siblings together and one toy. That seems a little bit on the um, neoli- um, uh, nihilistic side. I would say that um, they're, they're there because they enjoy each other's company, not uh, because they're going to get benefit out of it. I mean, huh. the benefit has to be there. No, I, I think they don't necessarily enjoy each other's company, uh, as evidenced by potential maneuvering and feud between bloodlines. But uh, yeah, I think I think a clan sticks together because of shared tradition and uh, possibly shared uh, shared history, uh, like different bloodlines originated from the same original families. But uh, but I think they mostly stick together for protection and survival because the clan provides uh, like provides the food and the magic and the, uh, and all that. Fantastic! I this think... really proves the point that uh, no matter which way you cut it, when you're talking about a clan, as many uh, different clans as there are is how many varieties of clans you're going to have. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, it breaks down uh, to actually uh, being more along the lines of does it follow a matriarchal or a patriarchal uh, side and whatnot, and there's a few other different kinds of clans depending yeah, on yeah. what they followed methodologically. But, yeah, there's an awful lot of variety, isn't there? Yeah, and I think I think that's why they stick together because they have shared values. So, for example, one clan might be a bunch of uh, uh, you know troll friends uh, who also uh, enjoy keeping uh, thralls, uh, so like slaves. Uh, whereas another clan sticks together because they have complete opposite view that propaganda, trolls are evil. Propaganda, my good man. Propaganda. The only uh, slaves <laughs> that we keep up in the northern lands yeah. are trollkin, and they don't count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, it's but, really a question of identity. Yes. Oh, uh, and it's the uh, it's the identity in history. Uh, a clan is not just made up by the living members, but by all the ancestors who used to live in that clan, and they get a vote. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. this is a touchy feely kind of side of uh, what a clan is. There's no two ways about that. I, I'm thinking of numbers here. Like a, a clan could be anywhere from what from fifty to. 1,500, 2,000 people, quite easily. Um, well, 15 might be a little bit slow, but make it, make it a couple of hundred. In the real world, yes. Uh, in uh, Jotling culture, a clan is uh, considered to be small when it's uh, below 500. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When there are examples, I said, uh, the boy Mandy at 400. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're small. And the calling are of course, they're weighing, it depends on what year you're talking. They go from, what, 1,300 to 2,500, depending on uh, just how badly schmucked they're getting, how many clans they've lost. Well, that's a tribe, though. That's a tribe. That's a tribe. Yeah, yeah. 
different, cir- but, different circumstances. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, let me put it this way. They started out as a single clan, and then when they became a tribe, they split that single clan into five different clans. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we got a little bit of touchy-feely of what a clan is. Yeah. You got a little bit of uh, the size of a clan. What else is there that uh, you wanted to look at, Ludo, uh, that encompasses a clan? I think one, uh, because of the fact that a clan is this collection of of people who have more or less the the same value in history, that makes it easy for them to uh, be a bit removed from what the next clan over the hills is. Like, they have different values, so, um, you know... We're it's it's there is a very much an us versus them kind of thing going on there, and that is very conductive to um, a bit of friendly competition all the way to bloody feud. Uh, but that does open uh, very much the possibility of going over there and and taking their cattle and punching them on the nose just because. So uh, now, as for why they like cattle, uh, I think I've got like an in-world take and a meta take. So the in-world take is that because clans stick together, uh, well, people in a clan stick together for, you know, survival and and all that, um, they need to be mostly self-sufficient and uh, like uh, cattle, like an oxen or a cow or whatever, is really one of the most well-rounded uh, things you can possess because uh, um, a bunch of oxen can help you plow the land and you know do harvests uh, in a productive way then you can uh, get some milk out of it then you can slaughter it and get a whole bunch of stuff from um, food to uh, derive products to make clothes uh, jewelry weapons etc uh, etc et so it's uh, it's one of the the most useful things to have and that's why I think it's it's very uh, it gives you a lot of wealth when you have a lot of cows uh, especially because it means you can plow more lands and, and have a bigger uh, thing uh, but the meta take is that on the one hand in Glorenta, there is very much this um, difference between the, bar- the the hillbilly barbarians of Sartar and the more cultured people uh, of, say, Kralorella or the uh, Lunar Empire. And I think it, it, it shows a lot of this difference when one of them have, you know, coins and currency and, and you know, civilized things, whereas the Sartarites just go, you know, how many cows do you want for this? Uh, so that, that yeah. kind of sells the difference, and um, and also for gaming, it also really sells you the fact that yeah, you're you're not in a medieval setting anymore. You know, you're not exchanging yeah. gold coins and silver coins, right? It's like this <laughs> is what you are worth. You're worth how many cows you have, and that I think that's a, a, a one of the main things to um, to signal to players that yeah, they're in the Bronze Age setting. Yeah. Okay, that's true for the hillbilly clans in Sartar, but uh, then uh, the kingdom of Sartar has become one of the most cosmopolitan places all over of Gr- all over Glorantha. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm afraid I have to agree yeah. with York here. I was taking major section there, Ludo. There's no hillbillies um, in uh, the um, confederations of Sartar whatsoever. I mean, that's very civilized, very uh, cosmopolitan. Taking examples from Israelia and uh, the Lunar Empire and uh, Tarsh. There's a difference between being cosmopolitan and being civilized. 
but there's a difference between being a hillbilly and being a <laughs> okay. Um, um, no, um, well, there are hillbillies, and uh, I do think that our main topic really is a uh, pastime of hillbillies rather than uh, civilized, <laughs> urbanized people. There we <laughs> yeah. Go. I mean, maybe the 10% of people who live in Boldhome or Jonestown, there are uh, somewhat less of hillbillies, but the vast majority of Sartarites are basically uh, people uh, with uh, slightly xenophobic views who live out in the hills and guard their cattle uh, furiously and, and ruthlessly. Keep in mind, your Glorantha will always vary. My Glorantha, the, the Orlanthi are a lot more friendly to uh, strangers than that, even though they do have the xenophobia of uh, humankind. But uh, so Orlanth does teach them that um, those strange people over there, they could be very, very, very useful to you. So does Harder, for the matter, the man who created this kingdom. Sure, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, they have they have werewolves as part of their um, nation's um, royal bodyguard, protecting the king. Yeah. Yeah. And both of them hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing is perfect. And, I mean, they have ducks. Enough said. <laughs> time out <laughs> uh, anyway so uh, I guess we still have uh, roughly established why cattle is important so how about uh, we start talking about uh, how we get more cattle like you know I'm I'm, I'm a clan in can, can, we, can we go back to cattle for a little bit here there's one yeah. thing we did not talk on there with them oh yes You got very empirical, you got into uh, what uh, the cows are going to do and whatnot. But it seems to me that there are myths, there are stories, there are tales that go back to uh, before time uh, came into being, before the pre-dark, mm -hmm. the gods of chaos came along that um, would uh, tell us stories of how uh, cattle and man existed um, uh, together. And after pre-dark, how cattle and man made uh, compacts. Like mm. that seems to me to be uh, just as important as uh, whether um, the hoose are going to be uh, made into uh, glue and how it's going to be made into a fine garment for a uh, young uh, um, for dandy, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> in, in, in many ways, those old myths are really like the gods teaching humanity how to be better, you know, how to build walls and how to make clothes out of uh, animal skin and all that. So it still kind of plays back into how those myths created tradition that, yeah, you do raise a lot of cows and you use the cows for doing a whole bunch of things from planting crops to uh, uh, clothing yourself. Had I been thinking that we'd be moving in this direction, I would have taken a little bit more of a look at the um, Weird Cow Saga, where you actually have stories and legends and tales that intrinsically bind the clan and the cattle together, which is Yep. Far more important than what you've mentioned so far, like way more important. And we really can't shuffle it down to, well, that's what they tell to, um, uh, to keep us as good uh, sartorites. It seems well, to me <laughs> that it, it gets under the skin. It's part of the, the DNA, although they don't have DNA. Yeah, yeah but I mean, for, for that clan, it, it basically boils down to we've got better cows than the other people. <laughs> Because the gods uh, favor us with that yeah. cow. Yeah, they, they showed us mm. that those cows are better and mm. we are the only ones who can get them yeah we're, well, the ones, uh, we're the ones who can steal them yes <laughs> <laughs> let's get back to the topic at hand 
Yeah, well, we are a clan. We want more cattle. And those guys over the hills are uh, a bunch of uh, amateur hillbillies. They're not as good as us. And we're going to steal their cattle. So uh, so how do we go about stealing cattle, Jörg? How do we go about stealing cattle? Well, first of all, uh, let's find out where that clan keeps their cattle. And uh, that's a question we might need to address first. Like, um, you don't keep the cattle right next to your village in summer because you want to uh, mow those pastures for hay. So you send your cattle off um, to the most distant pastures your clan uh, thinks it can control. Well, not and, well. It's spread out all the way to the most distant. So I guess there's like some cattle plowing land just yes, outside the walls of your city, but uh, yeah. like they're not uh, all it, super out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You keep as many cattle as you need with you, and as many as you uh, can feed el uh, elsewhere without um, lacking anything, you will send away. So mm -hmm. uh, because uh, winter fodder is a very important part of the. Uh, harvest uh, in the year, even if it's just grass, that grass will uh, make sure that your cattle will survive the winter. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why you send your cattle away in summer. And that cattle away from the main uh, village is, of course, the, the main target for cattle raiding. Okay. So uh, this is why cattle raiding tends to happen in the summer, right, Jörg? Well, uh, it's um, basically it uh, tends to happen uh, when the cattle is away. Mm -hmm. uh, you will try to keep the cattle away uh, for as long as possible because uh, there may be mild days in winter where you can send the cattle out just to the pasture near the village. Now mm -hmm. hay has been made. Mm -hmm. Canonically, uh, early dark season is still a, a time when you will encounter uh, clan cattle up in the hills. Okay. So timing is definitely of importance when it comes to a cattle raid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like, um, for example, during earth season, you need a lot of people to do the uh, the harvesting anyway. So you don't tend to do cattle raiding there because you need your people to work the land. Um, the season would be the same. Yeah, in King of Dragon Pass, I think uh, raiding season is fire season, right? It's summer. Yeah. Fire season is traditionally a wartime, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have more men available at uh, that time. A little bit on the rambunctious side, a little bit on the um, feeling the roots and uh, not having anything to do. Mm -hmm. Plus, it's sunny outside, so you might as well do something fun. Yeah. What could be more fun than taking away your neighbor's cattle? I agree. <laughs> uh, Pre-television, you did what you, what you had to do. So once you find the pastures of your neighbor clan that have cattle on it, how like how do you go about stealing it? What kind of defenses do they have that you have to uh, circumvent? Well, well first, first of all, go to the very beginning of the whole thing to begin with. That that'd probably be the way to start. Like, what is yeah. the beginning of a cattle raid? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I guess the, the beginning is first like somebody coming up to the clan ring, uh, the clan elders and saying like, oh, you know, we should go raid unless the clan elders decide 
on them directly. But uh, usually, especially all the young adults want to are eager to prove themselves uh, and will probably be lobbying to go on a cattle raid to, you know, uh, get some glory and get back and get some girls or something. A lot of and people would cash. agree with you as that being a great place for a raid to begin. I'm not overly sure. Like, York, can you figure a better place for a cattle raid to begin? Like, maybe to the last raid? Maybe this is a good revenge. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, one one thing about cattle raiding is that uh, herd size in both clans uh, somehow always remains about the same. So there's a giving and a taking. That's right there is uh, the very first thing that one's going to want to look at with the cattle raid is not uh, doing the scouting, not uh, getting the defenses set together, not uh, figuring out what uh, they're doing, but having a, uh, a few folks approaching a sponsor, unless they happen to be a sponsor themselves, okay. right? and a man of influence or a woman of influence within the clan, approaching said individual and saying, we have time on our hands. <laughs> Those people over there have been looking at us sidewise uh, every time uh, we uh, go to market. You know, like um, they, they give us stink eye. They talk um, about us um, as though uh, we were hillbillies. I say we take a few of their cattle and teach my lesson. Yeah, we we might mention that uh, you might not even raid your neighbors. You might raid like the the the, the clan over like beyond the, your neighbor clan, and so you have to also uh, get the approval of your neighbors to cross their lands with a whole bunch of uh, rowdy uh, armed uh, people. So you have to, well, to get them on board. That's uh, the way there isn't that much of a problem. The way back is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, even but, on well, the way there, though, if, well, you, if you were to encounter a patrol, uh, the very first thing the patrol is going to do is he's, uh, they're, they're, if they recognize you as sartiric, they're going to see the weapons, but they're still going to offer hospitality at the very least amount that they can offer it, which means that you have yeah. to respond being hospitable to back. But if you're in the middle <laughs> of the raid, you know. Yeah. Do you really want to go back and see their leader instead of carrying on with the raid? <laughs> well, that's why you might need to negotiate being able to cross to, to cross yeah. there and back ahead of You're the You're not in Kansas anymore. There are no interstate, uh, just you cross the border, <laughs> life is good. You cross the border, and even though you're in the same tribe, you are now in a different world. Clans, what were you saying about clans earlier, Ludo, how they differ? Yeah. Yeah, they have different <laughs> traditions and different values and maybe tattoos. even different clothing and, and tattoos, yeah. Different cults, gonna, maybe slightly different. They recognize you as being different. Yeah, yeah. They're also going to yeah. recognize that you're very warlike, too, and <laughs> want to know a little bit about that. They might recognize you as, as uh, their in-laws, because most clans are exogamous, which means yes. you don't marry uh, other people from your own clan, you marry people from other clans. Yeah. And they will have siblings. Yeah, yeah. So they might uh, they <laughs> oh, might so join you. Clans are interconnected. Yeah, especially Very within the tribe. Uh, but yeah, so they might they might join you to raid their neighbor. Uh, yeah. But so I'm I'm who, who, who are you going you know, to decide to raid? Who are you going to decide to raid? There's a very good point, Ludo. Do you raid? <laughs> you could raid the neighbor, or you can raid a clan a couple of uh, clans away. Do you raid? A friendly clan? Do you raid an enemy clan? What are I, the risks I, and uh, well, the things that one has to weigh when uh, deciding to do such? 
And why would he even mention raiding a friendly clan? I mean, that seems kind of absurd, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, uh, these cattle raids are also a kind of uh, military maneuver. So okay. uh, what you do is you have one uh, one bunch of your guys going out, trying to do some sneaky and warlike stuff, and they uh, they have some pe uh, people out there uh, doing the same, trying to prevent you from doing that. Mm -hmm. So I mean, this could be like the United States Army dividing its division up into red and blue armies and having them go at each other, a training exercise. Yeah, I, I kind of see it like a, almost uh, like a friendly sport competition, you know. It's like uh, we're yeah. going to steal your cattle, but, you know, we're only going to give you... man you. Go you, man you. Yeah, we're, we're only going to give you a bloody nose. So there there might be like slightly different rules of engagement when you when you raid a friendly clan versus when you raid a clan, uh, an enemy clan for a different from a different tribe where the rules of engagement might be a bit uh, more than just a bloody nose. And uh, well, what I would like to know is like, for example, I am a, a newly initiated kid into adulthood and this is my first fire season as an adult so what do i go through before going on the cattle raid like uh, do i have people give, giving me weapon and magical buffs and whatnot <laughs> mostly lots of ridicule i guess <laughs> <laughs> why oh you're so mean <laughs> well, uh, because that's uh, what happens if you uh, put uh, some newbies with experienced uh, old hands at uh, doing stuff. So, uh, yeah, uh, you might want to get uh, up your sneakiness or stuff like that. Yeah. You, uh, you might ask uh, your favorite deities for help, but uh, not uh, that much in, uh, in a serious way that you will sacrifice a cow just to steal a cow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, what what does the clan give you? Does it does it provide your weapons? Does it provide okay. magical support? Well, uh, yeah, property is uh, in a clan is a di uh, very different uh, problem. Really, there are people like myself who say all the pro all the property in a clan belongs to the clan. So mm -hmm. uh, the clothes you wear, nobody else may want them anymore, but. They are really the property of the clan. Hmm, yeah. And the chief uh, decides uh, who gets to do what. In reality, okay. uh, the bloodlines and so on uh, have uh, some say in that. But, uh, yeah, if you don't uh, don't have a weapon from a previous raid or as a heirloom, then it's uh, definitely been given to you by the clan. But the quality of equipment you get uh, basically depends on your stand on the standing of your family or of your bloodline and the clan. Okay. As to magic, uh, the same uh, would apply, I would say, that uh, it's not really a question of who owns the magic. The magic is owned by the clan. Magic um, is uh, going to be provided by the gods in form of uh, priest activities, worship, and whatnot. It's going to be provided by the locale itself is going to be magical and is going to provide certain magics. One of those magics might be a part of the locale. It could be a whiter. In any case, all communities will have a whiter because uh, it seems to me, according to the rules in the Grand Bestiary, a whiter is a community, a community is a whiter. Without yeah. one or the other, you'd no longer have mm. a need for the other. 
And so the, the whiter, for in case people don't know, the whiter is some kind of spirit, magical spirit that binds the, the clan. It's like a, the, the spirit that represents the communal aspect of the clan and it provides clan magic. So, um, genius yeah. loci, the uh, spirit of the community itself. Mm -hmm. It's raison d'etre, I guess the French would say. <laughs> Uh, cool. So uh, you got uh, your uh, clan whiter and clan priests uh, giving you some uh, extra magical protection or bonuses. Uh, you got your weapons provided by your family as heirlooms or by your clan uh, where you get like some shitty second hand axe or sword and all that. And now <laughs> you're going out on in the hills so uh you've, you've what's got happened? one more part of the equation one more part of the equation that's very important you don't have yeah. these you have access to these what you have is a finite series of resources sure but i mean it, year, there will, no no this is this is incredibly important it's part of king of dragon pass yeah and it's also uh, being integrated into Raven quest uh, grantha you cannot have all of the magic points of the waiter. You cannot have all of the weapons of your clan. You cannot have all of the warriors of your clan. You can only have certain amounts of each. Yeah, but I mean, you, either, you got... Other parts, that, other parts of that have to go to... Well, yeah, life goes on. Um, so yeah, you, are not your, you, you are not your own person. You owe your time to the cult. You owe your time to the clan. You owe your time to the family. Well, sure. Again, I mean, you're, you're you are, going to... Uh, you are the resource of the clan. Yeah, I mean, you're <laughs> like you and all the other uh, uh, young people who are going on the cattle raid are raiding for the clan, yes. You might want to take 50 arrows with you. You might get 10. <laughs> uh, so I, I, once I'm you... not kidding. Uh, you, might, you might want to take um, uh, all of the whitest magic for that season. Yeah. It's not <laughs> going to give you that. anything but maybe a, a tenth of that um, amount for that well, season. Well, that much. The, the clan elder will yeah. uh, will decide how much they want to how much resources they want to allocate to the raid. So if they say, oh, we need the whiter's <laughs> magic for this other upcoming thing, you might actually go on the cattle raid without any magic buffs. Yeah, uh, uh, here's, here's say... a role playing option for you. If you're playing King of Dragon Pass, if you're playing Thirteenth uh, Age, if you're playing Hero Quest, or if you're playing RuneQuest uh, G, it's a it's a possible role playing situation and a chance of using skills that are non combat. Here you can use your um, uh, loyalty uh, cl um, clan skill. Here you can use your um, uh, orate skill. Yeah. 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 Here you, you can use your uh, bargain skill. Yeah. And, and this is all before you've left the uh, clan. You've uh, used a whole whack of skills and you've actually role played just as much as you're going to role play when you get to the combat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Uh, yeah, same thing. You can also use a lot of uh, oratory skills and negotiation skills when we were talking about uh, potentially uh, negotiating an Excellent. alliance Excellent. with a, a neighboring clan or at least uh, um, making them let you cross their lands one way and back. We haven't but, even uh, got to the combat yet and we've already got a whole couple of games here that could be really <laughs> interesting if, they, if, they, if, you, if you have such bent. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, and if, if you're not if you're not uh, exactly playing RuneQuest as an adventure gaming, you, you will be raiding somebody's in-laws, <laughs> and uh, somebody from your clan. Uh, I mean to say, and that somebody may applaud that move, or it may, uh, or he or she may uh, oppose that move. 
Yeah. Ramifications. Yes. Thank you. I, I'm sorry, Ludo. I don't mean to uh, derail you there. Like uh, excellent thinking and all the rest of it. But uh, at the same time, I did really want to point out that don't lose uh, the role playing op- opportunities here. Your cattle raid is your cattle raid. Your table yep. is your table. But you can have a lot of fun even before you get to the cattle raid if you if you put your mind to it. Mm-hmm. Tell a story. Put some magical uh, drapery on it. Yeah. So, what kind of uh, recon would you do? Like, do you just like <laughs> run of, over the hill and uh, screaming and and waving your shield and axe, or do you? Uh, or is there something more clever you can do? Well, if you're in Orlando, you're sure <laughs> going to do it, out, laddie. <laughs> <laughs> Jurg. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You. I mean, you can send off Leroy Jenkins and. Um, <laughs> Which uh, would uh, be the first of my sub-points uh, here, which is diversions. Oh, yeah, you can do that oh, as a diversion. <laughs> so, yeah, do you know something? You came up with one possible way of doing it. That would, <laughs> that would divert me. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, uh, you can use, uh, if you have them, uh, some animal uh, allies, uh, like... If you can communicate with them in some magical or non-magical way, you can send out birds or lynxes or whatever you have. Oh yeah, to to scout the lay of the land or even become one. So who who would actually decide on that kind of of tactic yeah. using diversion and all that? Like who's leading the raid? Yeah, uh, um, might good call. might be the sponsor no itself. Might be somebody appointed by the sponsor. By the sponsor? Yeah, uh, the guy who uh, said, okay, the, uh, I will bring it before the ring because the ring won't uh, listen to you. The ring be, uh, being the uh, leading uh, organ of the clan. Mm-hmm. Being the sponsor uh, has a couple of consequences. One is uh, he wants to share in the, uh, in the results of a raid, mm-hmm. uh, if positive. <laughs> Two, he has a say in who is going to lead that raid. If he's looking for reputation, he's going to want to have a say in how the raid is conducted so that the uh, glory comes to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he might be going for money. He might be going for reputation. And he might be going himself. Granted. So, yeah, it, it, it does get complicated and there's a lot of possibilities. <laughs> uh, what if it's a bunch of kids that are going? Um, it, the chieftain might turn around and uh, have noticed that uh, Broyan has caught his attention a few times as being quite bright, and he puts Broyan in charge of the raid just to make sure that um, Broyan has been tested. Mm-hmm. If yeah. it's a young person's raid, not a middle-aged raid. Keep in mind, okay, politics. Why are they raiding? Are they going on the raid to uh, make money? Are they going on the raid to test out uh, their youth? Are they going on the raid because they're bored? Probably all these of the above. These were, or yeah. one cool thing or the other. That's that's going to impact the politics in any case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's probable that maybe, for example, the the clan chief wants to uh, groom and prove his uh, you know son-in-law or whatever to be the next uh, chieftain down the line, and uh, and wants to give him <laughs> uh, wants to give him the the leadership of this cattle raid to uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So politics is definitely going to have a, a play in it. There's no two ways about that. You've got your politics nailed down. You asked a really great question of uh, running over the hill. Is that what's going to happen uh, next? And we kind of fumbled the ball. The answer for this is no, you do not want to go running over the hill. 
necessarily. Well, no, we'll get more into that in a little bit. That's one possible great tactic. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do any sacrifices before you go? Sacrifice uh, the white cow? Well, we talked, <laughs> we, we talked about that a bit. Jörg was saying that, you know, maybe sacrificing a cow to get some cows is not very productive. But yeah, there's no. probably a bit of sacrificing uh, yeah. as the priests give you magic uh, advantage and uh, yeah. or sacrifices to the whiter. But yeah. Yeah, but that's not uh, that's not the only uh, target for sacrificing. Uh, if you're crossing the hill, you might uh, just want to pacify or to make friendly the goddess of that hill. Sure. Yeah. In his melody lands, there are some uh, spirits that you definitely want to um, placate, uh, or you're going to get lost and not be able to travel any further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well. We've got we've got a fairly good idea at the beginning, or <laughs> actually the end, or we don't even really know. Okay, preparation for the cavalry. Have, have we got it figured out? Have we got, have we got it all kind of conquered? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So. Um, uh, <laughs> so many ways left open uh, for the GM to uh, to make the cavalry fail, uh, because the players didn't think of them, and I prefer to leave it at that. <laughs> and I like another. I like another thought, and that is, there are so many ways for the players to absolutely blow the mind of the game master, doing things that he never anticipated, never could possibly anticipate. No plan survives first contact with the enemy. I mean, we'll decide oh, yeah. how it all goes down um, as we go through this. You can make you can make your plans. The gods will laugh. That's that's all they can do. Uh, while man makes that uh, makes his or her plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one thing we haven't mentioned yet is that you might want some expertise on uh, dealing with cattle. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, let's have a quick look at uh, the pre-gens for a second here. Um, we, what's the highest herd? <laughs> yes, it's, 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 well known, it's well known <laughs> that none of the pre-gens know how to herd uh, cattle. But, I mean, it's oh, not oh, true. Yeah. They, oh, know, okay. they know how to herd cattle. Like, I'm... Uh, I am not the kind of uh, GM who makes everything into a role. Like, you know, as a starter, right, you start with, what is it, like 20% in, in the herding or something like that? Uh, Your you, average you have... apprentice is going to have about 20 to 30%, yes. So we can assume these people will be apprentices. Yeah, but I mean, like, you you get a bonus to her, to the herd skill growing up in Sartar because you have some vague exposure to it. So uh, if you are herding the cattle back and there's no, you know, there's no one chasing you or because you got clever, uh, etc., I, I wouldn't make you roll for that as the GM. I would make you roll only if uh, there is a stressful or dramatic aspect to the situation. So... So you're saying that any group of um, apprentices, given proper tools, proper amount of time, and nothing bad happening, should be able to move the cattle from point A to point B. Yes. Well, yep. yep, and that's how I would rule it. I figure if you're an apprentice at something, you can do that thing. If yep. life is yep. a little bit tough, you might want to have the uh, um, journeyman come over and I say, kids, but- I got this. But uh, you're yeah. putting the, the cart ahead of the cattle because you don't have the cattle and you don't have a cart. So we are still running over so the we better get we better get to the attack. Uh, Jorg, yes. uh, I think you and I have a little bit to say on attacks, do we not? Yeah. Um, again, uh, you can decide whether you attack by uh, being blatant, by being sneaky, 
one uh, the best uh, some of the best categories are those where the herders don't uh, notice the cattle are missing until the day after or if you can uh, distract your position from um, being where you are uh, where your friends are stealing the cattle again you have halfway won so how, how can they be unaware like isn't there a herder that stays with the the herd yes what about the waiter that uh, might actually have senses now yep. of course he would have to be in the very spot and if, um, yep. he, he or she would have to be able to actually be capable of sensing something perceiving yeah, something but when, when the enemies cross the the stone the magic stones at the at the edge of your clan doesn't like does that ring bells only over at warding. the temple or the, would, would, the... well, what you're talking about there is warding um i don't think there are magic bells at the corner of any uh, given clan unless they're actually laid there by somebody yeah but uh, anyway would, would the whiter only warn the clan chief or does he have a connection to everybody in the clan and so the the no, former he would warn a priest he would warn a priest who might be the clan yeah. chief. okay so yeah. So the white, like you would still need like a couple hours for the clan chief to yell like shit, something's going up uh, over here at the far pasture, and and dispatch people there. But the 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 farmers up on that pasture might not be aware of it. Patrols. Um, the, the, what about what about a, a very simple generic everyday patrol? Yeah, of course. If you come with heinous uh, motives, you will want to avoid them. Yeah, or you want to blindside them. Uh, the last thing you really want to is to get involved into accepting uh, hostility, because once you're doing that, no stealing cattle today. Yes, nothing thwarts them like that. Hospitality is a counter tactic uh, to a um, aggressive <laughs> raid. <laughs> yeah, only, only the honest. Yeah, I mean. Um, as soon as they are your guests, uh, they are swearing to behave and to uh, obey your uh, customs and so on. So you can stop a cattle raid by offering people a drink. Now, this is going to drive New York crazy. He does not want, he, he figures that uh, it, it ain't a cattle raid if you're bringing in magic. But <laughs> let's say for some reason or another, you got a big ass sponsor who uh, says, we have to um, we have to get these cattle or somebody's trying for the red cows of um, fame somebody's trying mm -hmm. for magical cows somebody's raiding a cow herd of flying cows so yeah. out comes the waiters a waiter can uh, take um, magic and spread it across all of the attackers extend it but how much are you going to put into that like for a simple cattle raid are you going to buff that much are you going to spend Points of power that have to be given to the whiter for the whiter well, to spend it on uh, room, uh, spells that are extended. Well, if your sponsor is an ambitious uh, wannabe politician uh, who thinks more of his uh, role, uh, future role in the white um, chieftain's hall than um, uh, for the benefit of the clan, he may spend all this uh, clan resources just for his grandest mind. If even for a more uh, conservative sponsor, I think the few leaders of the raid 
might get a bit of magical buffing so that they they have uh, something or at least uh, if you ascribe by the notion that most Sartorite farmers have at least a few points of magic here and there uh, you might you might find that you know a third maybe half of your raiding party when they get to the hill near where the uh, the, the cattle are, uh, they all stop and um, uh, cast some uh, rune magic or spirit magic. Hmm. Well, you you got a little bit of research done into the uh, rune magic, rune point magic economy, so you might have some insight on that one. You yep. and I have discussed this a tiny bit too. So we there, there is always, of course, you you buffed up and you're ready to go now. What happens to the upper arm hospitality? And even if you refuse it, you still have to go through 15 minutes worth of listening to them. <laughs> oh, you, you want to, uh, what, what's it called like in politics when you, uh, when you don't stop talking? To, uh, no, no, it's not oh, stalling. Oh, uh, oh, um, uh, it's not gerrymandering. When you, when you, oh, yeah, the, you want to filibuster the them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> magically filibuster. Yeah, it, it it works like a charm, really. Um, I filibustered about uh, uh, seven points of green <laughs> magic. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, point that not hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think I think it's possible that they at least spend a couple points just before running down the hill uh, to get the cattle or something. Or, yeah, uh, I, I mean, points, uh, do you think they'd be casting uh, rune points as well, though? Because um, it's seasonal, and this is a seasonal cattle raid. They, they, they might they might want to cast one point before they run down the hill, or yeah. all of them, yeah. half of them. Um, whoever has spare magic, so I, I imagine maybe between a third and half of them, because the other half might not have anything left, or may okay, want yeah. to conserve it, or uh, whatnot. Now the question, why do I want to buff my spare when I want to lead away cattle? Uh, you might do it if you are going the offensive route. Uh, if you're going the sneaky yeah. route, you ah. might you might spend magic to be sneaky. If you're doing uh, a diversion, uh, either doing like you know casting before maybe maybe for the diversion only a handful of people in your party need to use magic to set up the diversion. But um, uh, but yeah, I don't I don't think there's a lot of magic spent in a raid. But depending on the tactic. If you're really spending a lethal magic on a cattle raid, uh, then you may uh, incur way higher, way higher debt in Wergeld than you may be uh, able to get even if you take away the entire herd. If I'm buffing my spear, I'm doing that with lethal intent. And whether it's uh, to spare my uh, spare the op oppos uh, opposing herder or the opposing Arlings, uh, I will have to pay for that. Yeah, Where but it, guild it, is it, not paid out to the dead. Where guild is paid out for damage. Period. Yeah. Now there's more where guild paid out if you kill somebody. Yes. So uh, you may have to pay uh, uh, twenty times the amount of cattle you, you are able to steal just to uh, make amends for what you did there. Yeah, but so this is are, you really, are you really going to buff your spear? 
This is where we go back to why you're raiding. Like if you're raiding uh, a friendly or a neutral clan just because it's fun, then probably nobody's going to buff any weapon. However, if you're raiding an enemy clan as part of an ongoing feud, I could see a few people um, buffing their spear. Always, 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 boys and girls, and this is really deadly important, keep one rune point in spare for your heal wound. Always. (laughs) Yes. Uh, another another yeah, uh, interesting thought is that uh, depending on your leadership roles and, uh, you know, if, if the players are the ones leading the raid, um, if they have a more or less rowdy bunch in their uh, in their party, uh, it might be also interesting to have a few uh, hot shots buffing their spear uh, without the players knowing and then you know what you thought was going to be a mostly friendly and innocent cattle raid turns into a bloody messy affair because you didn't know somebody had a feud or somebody uh, was trying to prove something more and then all of a sudden you've got blood on your hands and a whole political downfall to deal with so you you got the cattle and you may or may not have people hot on your heels uh, coming after you so how do you move the cattle back to your lands do you move them quickly do you move them slowly do you use stratagems what what kind of interesting scenes might happen as you bring uh, the the herd back i mean one of them probably is you messed up your diversion was uh, was not good or you didn't correctly uh, knock the people unconscious and some of them are coming after you uh, and so you have to move quickly. Uh, they probably catch you. There's a, a fight scene in between the, the two clan lands, uh, and you might lose the cattle just as soon, just like as quickly as you got it. How many thousands of times um, in modules has um, one scene where something that has been foreshadowed and you've had a taste of a couple of Times in the uh, uh, previous parts of the cow raid, all of a sudden comes along and broadslides you with everything at this point in time when you're not expecting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you have the if you have the cattle, you are definitely going to be slowed down. Or you have a uh, or you have to control a stampede, which is quite hard. I'm hearing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another thing that can happen is that. Um, there might be a third party on the way back. So, for example, if you were, uh, if you struck a Bergain... This is what I was talking about, something coming from off to the side. Yeah. Foreshadowed. You know, could be coming, but you've forgotten about it. Yeah. So, for example, when if you had to cross the lands of another clan to go uh, get the cattle, on the way back, they might say, like, hey, you know what we said? We can't change our minds. Uh, now we actually want half of these cattle. Well, if you want to go into slapstick territory, you might meet uh, you might meet uh, some guys from the clan you just raided, uh, herding some of your cattle back to their clan. <laughs> oh yes, my that, God! That's, that's <laughs> definitely a fun let, thing let, to me, do. let me toss one at you. You stolen the cattle. Now um, Yozarian and his uh, crew are going to steal the cattle from you. Uh, who is going what to steal? What are they going to do with it? Yozarian, uh, the, uh, the tax bandit. Very famous uh, bandit. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. so yeah, famous yeah. bandit. Yeah, you could have <laughs> bandits stealing the cattle. Um, what, what else could you encounter on the on the road insider? Uh, yeah, you could get diverted or interrupted by you know monsters or spirits along the way, especially if you had to take a detour to uh, throw off your pursuers. 
Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and, and there are other friendlies there. It's not called Dragon Pass just for fun. <laughs> yes. You're not talking what at I least you're talking. Well, I'm talking Dragon Mute uh, encounters, which are always oh, yeah. weird and always unpredictable. And you can do everything you want as a GM with that. No, the Dragon Mutes are fun. Yeah, they might look at the cows and say something kind of weird, walk to there and to them and transform half of them in mushrooms or something. Or uh, uh, just uh, uh, brand them uh, in their very special way or whatever. <laughs> I yeah. think if you encounter a dream dragon that wants to negotiate, he looks at you and in your uh, head you hear the word mine as it looks at the cow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. willing to negotiate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we, we got a, a few good ideas, so let's get moving and get into You Got the Cattle Back and what happens in the aftermath. Okay, uh, if you're doing this the Bronze Age way, uh, the leader of the raid will bring uh, the cattle to the sponsor, and the sponsor gets to decide uh, who uh, uh, will benefit from this raid. Uh-huh. So the sponsor may have to pay off some political debts to the people on the ring, which enabled him to do so, uh, gone or two cattle. Um, he may have some uh, other stuff. Uh, he wants uh, some riches for, so another uh, so another few cattle uh, are gone, and uh, you may be left with three out of a dozen cattle. Decisions the made at the beginning come, up to come into play at this point in time. So uh, you bring back 12 cattle and three of them might uh, end up being shared by uh, the participants of the raid. Mm -hmm. That's a very Bronze Age uh, interpretation of that. If you're going the Wild West way and <laughs> saying uh, it's my cattle uh, once I've uh, pulled it away from that, you would have a very different outcome. And With 50 uh, pieces of silver, three cattle, that's enough to keep a family alive for a year. And And you get a, a piece of that? That doesn't sound terrible. Uh, and uh, if you take uh, another six cattle, uh, it may buy you a good sword. You might not get as much as all of that. It, it depends. And then again, I guess the, the, what happens if you get absolutely nothing? You're going to be well, paying a couple of bills. You're going to be paying for some of the magic that you uh, got uh, loan of. Most of it is going to be loss of honor, and you're going to have to, uh, you know. Reputation. Yeah. Yeah, that was mentioned at the beginning as well. So that comes back into play again. Uh, so what if something went wrong? So, you know, like we mentioned, somebody buffed their spear and injured uh, Ooh, uh, somebody else killed. way more than necessary. Like so something messed up. How friendly are you with this clan? How much uh, do you uh, fear their animosity? How much well, more powerful are you than that, this clan whatever messy thing happened was way more messy than uh whatever your relationship with that clan warrants ah yeah in that case how valuable are you to your clan is your clan simply <laughs> uh, going to say oh, okay that's it you're an outlaw now It, it might it might happen that as a result of the of the cattle raid, the other clan declares a feud against your clan. And depending on yes. what your clan resources and political standing is, it might happen that your clan elders say like, oh, yeah, sure. Now we are at war with the other ones. Or they might say like, oh, shit, no, we can't afford being at war with those guys. So you people and by you, I mean the player characters, you're going to have to pay like to to pay a war guild. 
back. So you might have to pay back. Your clan, your clan has to pay. Yeah, the pro- the yeah, the, yeah that's a problem. It's divided amongst a thousand people. Even if the yeah. clan as a whole pays the thing, uh, you personally will probably have some some consequences. Like um, the clan is as, not going to... As well, your clan's reputation. Yeah, uh, so basically you don't own uh, even uh, five, five heads of cattle, personally. Uh, so um, there's no way you personally can pay off this. Uh, you bring your clan into debt. There's probably going to be some consequences on your character. For you're going to lose kind of... trade, you're going to lose reputation, you're going to lose, uh, say, in the uh, clan ring. You might not want to stand for election in the clan ring this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you so, might not want to go to the bar very often because you might end up coming back from the bar with a bloody no, uh, lip more, more than once. Yeah, but I mean, th- there is such a thing as uh, like thralls in Glorenta. And so isn't, isn't it one way to acquire thralls to tell the other clan, you need to pay us back, you know, this many cows and no. this many ships. And you also need to give us those two guys that, um, uh, that no. killed... No, not re- not really. No, uh, uh, the way to get thralls is uh, uh, there's a bunch of inexperienced cattle raiders uh, trespassing your land, and you uh, simply capture them and declare them thralls. Okay, so yeah, it's it's something that we missed when we were talking about the attack is that you actually might get captured and not even come back. Yeah, or at least uh, somebody wants to ransom you. Back. Um, oh, and... no, just a second, we're just ransom into that. York, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't because ransom should be a part of that. Well, yeah, uh, it's, it depends on who, whom you're raiding. If you're ra- raiding a slave-taking tribe or clan, then yeah. you could have that kind of trouble. So, yeah, or if they're not uh, that, then you would be ransomed back probably if yeah. you get captured. Um, but so that's yet other opportunities for uh, more scenes in your game. Yeah. Uh, cool. What else can happen in the aftermath? Yeah. Well, um, let's have let's have a look at the aftermath. Do you remember at the very beginning we were saying is the beginning the beginning or is it the end of the last raid? <laughs> so the, the aftermath is another raid. <laughs> well, actually, that's very true. Now, uh, did people die? Is there going to be a return raid? Is there is a feud going to be starting? Yeah. Have uh, has something happened that can be negotiated? We're looking at uh, the um, somebody's been really badly injured and all of the nasty things that can happen, outlawry and all that. A nasty injury does not have to be outlawry. It could be that the clan realizes these are our allies. We've hurt somebody. They came away. They were an, on an intramural team. They've come and played in our hometown. Let's give him medical care. Let's make sure that he's okay. Let's give them yeah. work. Like, where guilt is not necessarily a punishment. Again, it's part of society. It's a part of their Canadian healthcare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, the player characters might have to go on a diplomatic mission following their raid to go uh, kind of pay back uh, by providing uh, healing services and stuff like that. Or they, or you could do something completely different, like going onto a hero quest, uh, proving that what you did was entirely justified, and uh, oh those wimps better shut up. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that's that's a very uh, sound way to do it. One can start at the very beginning of a hero quest. Every hero quest has to begin with a song or or a story. 
Mm-hmm. So at the end of a uh, at the end of a successful cattle raid, at the end of an unsuccessful cattle raid, the skulls are going to either be singing sad sagas or triumphant sagas. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't quite justified, or if 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 the uh, the cattle raid or its outcome are being uh, debated, uh, you might have some spirit issues as your ancestors show up and make the situation even more complex because they are angry at the way you did things, yeah. and, and you start losing some of the ancestor blessing, yeah, or or happy. Im- Im- imagine or having happy. not only hmm. not only one grumpy eighty-year-old uh, grandfather ranting at. You, but having have, uh, <laughs> dozens of them uh, yeah. demised, but very active in the spirit rights. There's, there's yeah. lots of possibilities. What about treaties? Okay, again, let's go with the exact opposite way. We've been talking nasty. You're on a cattle raid. You're from a, 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 a group that does not like the group that's raiding. Mm-hmm. The group that's being raided does not like the raiders. Mutual animosity. So this could lead to feud. Whatever the case may be, however it happens, two of the antagonists help each other survive. Could it be the beginning of a new piece? Uh, maybe. Well, I think I think a treaty might happen more often if yeah. you um, if you went through another clan's land to get to the the clan you're raiding, or if another clan who had a feud with the clan you raided. Uh, those clans might come back to you and say, like, oh, yeah, you know, you did good on that raid. That was pretty cool, so uh, let's be friends. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. We like your style. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, but why not? I mean, they, this could be a war game very easily. This could be a role-playing game very easily. It could yeah. be a negotiating, trade, a series, let's make a nation kind of a game. Yeah, and this is this is one of the things that happens in King of Dragon Pass is that maybe like you're not involved in the raid at all, but what happens is that somebody raided another one, and now they're talking about feuds, and so they're asking your clan to come as a mediator. Um, what else can happen during the aftermath? Are we hostages, uh, hostages, and ransom? And let's say that you decide that not only do you want a few cattle, but let's take the damn cattle herders too. Yeah, well, uh, we, we talked about the characters being uh, captured and ransomed, but yeah, they could capture and ransom some NPCs. Yeah. Okay, uh, we've uh, thrown like uh, the entire amount of our GM's uh, ideas at how can we thwart a cattle raid, but people still go cattle raiding, so there must be some benefit to that. Well, you get uh, cattle. <laughs> Yeah, uh, not if everything runs uh, skew like uh, we discussed before. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there, there must be some uh, way uh, for moderately experienced cattle raiders to come back with cattle and to have them, at least for a while. What if the cattle raiders win is what he's suggesting? That this is a yeah. weird, crazy idea. Yes. Let's, let's, have the, let's have them win. Is this so, such a bad thing? Yeah, so what about, like, you mean as a GM, try to give them trouble, but let them win, you mean? Yeah, um, let them win once, let them win twice. Let sure. them build up uh, lots of confidence. Yeah, but that's... that's not, good... not, winning, not winning will feel even uh, worse then. Uh, that kind of raises a question for me, though. Do you think uh, Cattle Raid Adventure is an inherently uh, repeatable thing or is it like you just do one cattle raid maybe two and then after that your players are going to be like oh yet another cattle raid 
I guess to some degree, nobody is complaining about yet another dungeon crawl because each dungeon is different and there's going to be like different things. So I yeah. guess if you make your cattle raids uh, varied yeah. enough and completely different, then maybe it's okay to do several. Um, basically, what you can do is, okay, so you decide to go on a cattle raid. As you return with, with uh, 25 heads of cattle and dot, dot, dot. I admire the passage in Njal's saga, where it says uh, that summer Gunnar went uh, Viking in Ireland. When he came back, <laughs> and then uh, the domestic uh, tra uh, troubles with uh, the core of the Njal saga uh, go on. But uh, we have this great big hero going on a Viking quest for an entire summer, and yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> And you can handle uh, much of the cattle raid the same way uh, with your characters. So, like in in between adventures, you mean? No, no. Uh, the adventure starts uh, with the uh, with the uh, adventurers uh, bringing back a bunch of cattle, uh, almost being home. Oh, okay. And you and you pick up from there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in media's race, only. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. They already have proven that they can raid cattle. So. They are here, here, they have the cattle, and something happens. Yeah, fair enough. One last thing that might happen in the aftermath is uh, you might be able to do something when you come back and, you know, if something went badly and you have a lot of wounded people, you can probably do something with that. Uh, either by saying, like, uh, you know, the, the raid went badly, lots of people are wounded, and so another clan, like a third clan, or even the raiders, use that opportunity to uh, attack your clan because you are weak. Or more of a spirit thing where maybe uh, some nearby Malia cultists uses the, um, the weakness of your clan to start uh, throwing mm. disease spirits at you, and, and all of a sudden your uh, the aftermath of your uh, uh, cattle raid goes from bad to worse. Mm, put well. all of your resources into one basket to always make sure that you haven't put, uh, spent all of your resources on the cattle raid. There's one uh, last item, though. You thought you said that that would be the last item. There's one major last item that we're going to have to get to, and that's planning a new raid. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> listeners can rewind the tape and listen to this episode in a, in a loop. <laughs> <laughs> the never-ending well, uh, story, the cattle raid of uh, Sarder. So, yeah, um, the cattle raid may not be the main uh, main topic of the scenario. I mean, I've written cattle, ra uh, cattle raids uh, just as a plot hook for totally different scenarios. And mm -hmm. uh, if you tell your players uh, you are going on a cattle raid, they will expect whatever kind of weirdness you might throw at them, and you might really surprise them if the, if the scenario is a cattle raid. Uh, that's your conclusion to the uh, story, or do you have a bit more to add on to that, York? Well, um, cattle raiding—it's tradition. It's something you do. Uh, something you do for profit. It's something you do for reputation. Everybody does it. Nobody likes to be raided. Everybody likes to raid. <laughs> it's weird. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to put in a wee bit of a uh, plea for simplicity, and that's about it. You can make it as complicated as you want, but start with simplicity as your uh, task. The players will complicate it. Uh, they'll come up with things that you never even considered. I think I surprised the heck out of Jorg when he ran the cattle raid out of uh, the Adventurer's book uh, for me. Mm -hmm. You just never know what uh, what you can do. So 
That's my yeah. conclusion. As for Sir Ludo? Uh, I think my conclusion is that cattle raiding is... Uh, first, it's a good way to uh, introduce the setting to players oh, in many ways. Lovely. And so that, that's uh, that's like that's what I was talking about. Uh, uh, that it's both a an initiation for the characters in the clan and an initiation for the players. Uh, but as we've seen, like there's so many moving parts and so many ways to um, only show uh, you know a subset like York says if you start in media res or uh, of having different categories go different ways and all the aftermath that can trigger entire campaigns. I think there's there's a good amount of replayability the same way like you know dungeon uh, dungeons are replayable uh in the <laughs> sense that you can you can go into more than one dungeon uh and so, so it's you, kind of, you uh, wouldn't have any problem doing this once a season or well, maybe once a year one var- variation or another exactly if you have yeah. if you have a long running campaign uh I would mm. so I would totally like bring cattle raids back mm. Uh, seasonally but each time a different thing so yeah one one uh, um, and, and you can make it build upon itself you know based on what happened in the last cattle raid last year the other clans might uh, like th- this might change the political landscape of of your campaign quite a lot uh, season after season See, if you dig this idea what if um, uh, one year you just uh, negotiated with the tribe in between at the, at the sacred time, you get uh, one of your uh, women married to one of their men, mm-hmm. um, and at the same time you negotiate with the chieftain of uh, can we go through your lands next year? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can plan it. Um, so, so yeah. I think I think the the ramifications of of cattle raiding are are can be pretty far, and and after a while you can like Yorick said you can you can totally ignore the raiding itself and and focus on all of the peripheral things. Fantastic! Well, cool. that sounds like a cattle raid. And yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, I hope yeah. we gave uh, uh, a lot of ideas to the listeners. Um, and uh, I think that's all for the main topic. So, it's good night for me. Good night for me. Yeah, and uh, may the Red Moon bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wind Words. Our website is windwords.fm, where you can find other episodes. Reach us via email at tribe at windwords.fm for any questions or feedback. We are all us. Ah, gentlemen, so the year is 1625. The Lunar Empire has been kicked out of many parts of its occupation in the south. Prax has uh, been liberated by the White Bull Society and Agrath. Most of Sartre has now been liberated by the great and noble Hortling folk that uh, inhabit Sartre. Although the far place, also occupied by Hortling folk, is still a quote-unquote lunar ally. In the capital city of Aldichur exists a temple to the reaching moon. In the temple to the reaching moon is an embassy of the lunar empire. At the desk of a bureaucrat sits Urkrat usual kind of look of a bureaucrat of being bored and kind of disgusted with hanging out in a barbarian capital when the door crashes open and in strides an ugly and smelly barbarian the bureaucrat looks up wrinkles his nose and says what may i 
do for you? Well, says the barbarian, I've come to see Tassius the Bright. Tassius the Bright, says the Birked. He's dead, man. Are you a fool? Oh, I see, says the barbarian. Dead, you say. Would it be possible to see the next Tassius the Illuminated? Cassius is deceased. He is no more. What is your my good man? Well, this being the case, would it be possible to see uh, Tassius, the head of the Lunar College of Magicians? And goddesses and God's sakes, man. How many times and how many ways must I say it to get it through your dense barbarian brain? Tassius is no more. He has gone to the goddess. He is not walking no more to plains of Lozenge anymore at all. <sighs> well, I guess uh, that's about all I can really ask in that case. Uh, thank you very much for your time. I must ask you, stupid fool. Why do you insist on coming in and bothering me in such a way? Well, says the barbarian, I just can't hear that enough. Huh? It's not that bad. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of talent out there. Check the BRP Central forums in the uh, next week for a bit more information. <laughs>